So today we're going to talk about Bible reading for you. Isn't that interesting? Bible reading. Who's, who's the Bible reading for? Is it for God or is it for us? I mean, God already knows the Bible, doesn't he? He already knows what it says. It already knows what he's promised to us. But it's up to us to open our hearts up to receive what he has said and then to learn from the certain sections in the Bible. So there is power in God's word. Um, next slide. We have to know that there's power in God's word, that the Bible is full of instructions and, and encouragements. You know, there's a famous football player named uh, Vince Lombardi, and every year before the season, he would take a football, and he would tell the people there, he said, gentlemen, this is a football. Well, they've been playing Pop Warner football, they've been playing high school football, college football, and some of them have been with him. But he wanted to go back to the basics and says, this football is 21 inches long, 12 pounds in pressure. We, we can kick it, we can run with it, we can pass it, but we got to get it down the, the goal, down the field to the goal line, and I'm going to show you how to do it, right? So, in the same manner, this is your Bible. You need to read it for instruction, for correction, for guidance, for uh, encouragement, for comfort, for strength, for faith, and that'll get you to the goal line of life. That'll get you to where God wants you to go. Praise the Lord. A lot of times we ignore, we forget that God's word is our instrument, our way of progressing through this life to do the things that he's called us to do. We think, oh, we can do it ourselves. We got it. No, you don't got it. <laughs> In case you didn't know, we don't got it because his wisdom is what higher than ours. His wisdom is above what we can act, act, uh, ask or think. So I have five sections of the Bible here. I want to break it down for you. Someone told me about this one time. And uh, you can break it down this way. There's the Old Testament, which talks about the story about God and his people. You know, you got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all them guys. You got Psalms, which is the heart of God. You know, David cried out with his heart to the Lord. And uh, he was a man after God's own heart. So when you read the Psalms, you get the heart of God. You get how God feels about things. Then Proverbs is the wisdom of God. Solomon wrote most of those um, Proverbs telling us how to get wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, in all you're getting, get wisdom. A lot of us lack wisdom. We do the wrong things at the wrong time and think God's going to bless it, but we need wisdom. And then the Gospels are the teachings of Christ, teachings of Jesus. Jesus came and he taught things that were different than what they found in the Old Testament. He was a new pioneer in the things of God. And then the epistles are how to be like Jesus. Well, how can you be like Jesus? Well, I found that if you study it this way, you can read one chapter out of each one of these sections every day, and you'll be balanced. You'll have a full course meal, so to speak. You'll have your meat, your potatoes, your, your um, milk, your vegetables, yay, even your dessert. The Bible says that this word is like honey. So you can read Genesis 1, Psalms 1, Proverbs 1, Matthew 1, and Romans 1. And then he says, find something out of that reading that can guide and direct you for the day. God wants to speak to you, to us through his word. And that way you feel balanced. You feel whole in your spirit. Because if you eat only meat all the time, guess what? You miss your carbohydrates. 
If you eat all your carbohydrates, you miss your protein. So sometimes if you just read Psalms, 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 you get the heart of God, but you don't get the instructions on how to be like Jesus or what Jesus has taught. So this way you wake up, I mean, after you've done your reading, your spirit feels, feels whole and full, and you're able to do the things that you need to do in life. Praise God. So we're going to take a little journey on going through each one of these sections and just kind of highlight to you how to uh, appropriate these stories in our life. So let's look at the first story. It's about a guy named Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat. Anybody know about King Jehoshaphat? You know about him. He was, uh, was a good king or a bad king? He was a good king most of the time. <laughs> Towards the end of his life, he didn't do so good. Yeah, that's why you know, I'm so concerned about that. At the end of my life, I want to be serving the Lord. I don't want to fall off. Well, what happened was he was hanging out with a guy that wasn't so good. Has that ever happened to you? You're doing good, and you got a friend, and a friend gives you a little suggestion to do something. You go, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And the friend looks good. He looks respectable and friendly and everything. You follow him, and you wind up getting yourself in trouble. Well, I, I did that one time. <laughs> One time that I can really remember, in high school, I was always playing baseball, I was always doing things, and so I didn't take much time to study. So one semester I said, I'm going to put my heart to study as hard as I could to see what kind of grades I would get. And lo and behold, I got three A's and three B's. Well, to me, that was really good, you know, because finally I'm studying. <laughs> I haven't read the chapter I thought I should have got all A's, but for somehow I only got three B's and three A's. So my friend, my good friend, says, well, why don't we celebrate? You know, you work so hard and you, you just put your nose to the grindstone. Let's, let's go out and, you know, have a little fun. There's a school dance coming up. Why don't we, and I'd never drank before, he said, let's have something to drink and go to the dance. Oh, yeah, well, that's fine. That'll be good. That's that's that's." Sounds reasonable. Because, you know, the devil is so good with just this. Sounds reasonable to me. I worked hard. Let's just have a little fun. What could go wrong? <laughs> so we, like I said, we never drank before. So we went over to my friend's house who their parents had a wet bar. And so we had some drinks. And I said, well, how do you feel? Nothing. I don't feel nothing. I go, well, let's, let's leave and go on our way. So as we were going to the dance, we said, well, let's go over to so-and-so's house. You know, they have, their parents have a wet bar. So we went there and had a few more drinks. And I said, do you feel anything? Said, no, I don't feel anything. Well, let's just go to the dance. So we go to the dance, and halfway through the dance, guess what happened? Bam! <laughs> oh, no. The only thing I can remember is kind of like this, the room spinning and me trying to get my composure. And I... I I, I think I fell. I don't know what happened, but they took me to the principal's office, and they said, uh, what are you doing, and what have you been drinking? <laughs> I go, I don't know, <laughs> but it was good. <laughs> well, the last thing I remember, I'm on my mom's couch sleeping, and I wake up in the, in the morning, and I'm going, what happened to me? And my mom proceeded to tell me how they had to carry me home and that the board was going to meet and probably kick me out of school. And I said, oh, how can they? I got three A's and three B's. <laughs> but they said, we have to kick you out 
because your friend has been a menace. Your friend, your association was bad, and so because of him, you are out. And I thought that was the worst day of my life. I thought, oh, I'll never get a job. <laughs> They'll see on my record I was expelled from high school. But they made it easy on me. They said, you were, uh, you're asked to leave. So I left, but life went on. But I found out that you have to be careful who you hang around, who you hang around with. And they can just sound so sweet and nice. So anyway, this King Jehoshaphat, he was hanging around King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was the worst king around. He was an idol worshiper, and he married a girl named Jezebel. Anybody heard about Jezebel? Today, we talk about Jezebel. Oh, she has a Jezebel spirit. Don't, don't hang around with Jezebel, right? Because she's manipulative, she's evil, she's treacherous, and she, she's conniving. Well, this guy married her, Ahab. How bad is that? So somehow, King Ahab talks him into going to war with, with, with him, with King Jehoshaphat. And you can imagine that things didn't go well. They lost the battle. King Ahab dies, and they would have killed King Jehoshaphat, but he did what? Cried out to the Lord, and the Lord saved him. You know, a lot of times our life depends on what we've done prior to our prayer. What we've been doing in serving the Lord, the Lord will have mercy because he remembers how we were when we were serving him with all of our heart and our might. And if we slip back, God knows those that are his, and he'll rescue. So he rescued Jehoshaphat, but then he got back into town, and guess what? Three nations sent a multitude to take him down, to destroy him. And so here we, we pick up the scene in 2 Chronicles 20. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. Ho, 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 ho. That, let's show a picture. Next slide. Let's see this. That's a great multitude right there, wouldn't you say? Now, what do you do in that kind of situation? <laughs> you better do something. This is a disaster, right? But we have those kind of disasters in our lives, don't we? When we have a multitude of problems, we got health problems, our finances are not that good, our kids are acting up, our job's not going well, and our car's not running that, that well. I mean, you know, like, I got a multitude of problems here. Lord, can you help me? So let's go back to the scripture. And they were coming upon him. There was like not much chance, uh, you know, time to, to change or to do anything. And so, and Jehoshaphat did what? Feared. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And he set himself to seek the Lord. I like, he set himself to seek the Lord. He didn't just seek the Lord. He got his heart ready, prepared to seek the Lord. Because you can't just waltz in there, okay, Lord, you know, you get your heart right, you pray, you fast, you do whatever it takes to seek the Lord. And proclaim to fast throughout all Judea, or Judah, and Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Let's see the next two slides. There's the multitude, and there they are. They're coming in to tell Jehoshaphat, you're in trouble. You got three nations coming, a great multitude. So his first thing to do was get on his knees and start praying to God. Now, this next slide is going to show you these, like I said, Old Testament stories on how to overcome your enemies. So there's steps for God to deliver you. First, he did what? He set his face to seek the Lord. Do we do that? 
Let's see how many of these we do. He proclaimed a fast. Oh, no, it's not that bad. (laughs) I'll fast until lunch, and that's about it, okay? No, he proclaimed a fast for everybody. He spoke of the greatness of the Lord. He remembered the victories of the Lord. He proclaimed the promises of God. He presented the problem to the Lord, and he waited on the Lord. So he made a prayer to God. You ready to hear the prayer? I said, are you ready to hear the prayer? All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Wouldn't you want to know what he prayed? Because I'm going to tell you ahead of time, he gets out of this situation. Did you see that multitude? Can you picture that coming at you? And what would you do? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, what do you do? You know, your knees kind of go like this. Now, you're the king, and you're supposed to protect the kingdom. So here's his prayer. Remember, he, he set his face to seek the Lord. He proclaimed a fast, and then he, he talked of the greatness of the Lord, right? Uh, let me see my steps. Okay, here's the steps. So here's the prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to stand before you? Isn't that, isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, he's, I'm telling you, God, you're so great. Are you not ruler over all? Are you not in control of all things? Can't you not help me in this? He said, now he rehearses the victories. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before, you, before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend forever? Remember what you did, Lord? You gave us, you promised the land of milk and honey, the promised land. We went in, we drove out the inhabitants. Okay, now they're coming to get us. And, the, and you said, if you dwell there and build a sanctuary uh, in your name, saying if disaster comes upon you, If the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and cry out to you, and you will deliver us, right? So that was the promise. He talked about his greatness, talked about the victory that he gave them. Now he said the promise is that if we pray to you in this temple, that you would deliver us. And then the problem, he said, here these guys are. They're coming to take over us. They're rewarding us by throwing us out of your possession that you gave to us. You've got to rehearse these things with the Lord. I mean, he knows it, but he wants us to, you know, speak it out to him. So here, here's his, his, uh, his uh, waiting on the Lord. So we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, for we know not what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Famous line. I don't know what to do in this situation, Lord. I don't know about this person. I don't know about this financial situation. But our eyes are upon you because we have no power to overcome this situation. You ever get that way? You're out of, you're exhausted. All your resources, all your knowledge, all your your people contacts. It's just you and me, Lord. And if you don't show up, I don't know what we're going to do. So now all Judea or Judah with their little ones, their wives and their children stood before the Lord. They were waiting on him. Okay, Lord, we're waiting for you to move. And then a man prophesied and says, you don't need to fight in this battle, for the battle is the Lord's. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Woo! How how did that happen? Well, he did the seven steps, right? You want to do the seven steps, you'll see God work in your behalf. 
And so what happened was, this is amazing. This has happened several times in the Bible. The, he sent ambushments or confusion amongst the people that were trying to attack him, and they started attacking each other. And so when the children of Judah went out, they saw all the people were dead. How the heck did that happen? And all they had to do was pick up the spoils. It took them three days to pick up all the spoils of what the Lord had done on their behalf. I'm here to tell you, I've seen God do that. He fights your enemies for you, causes them to fight out against you, and you walk away scot-free. Amen? All right. Of course, none of you have any problems or situations that you're facing, I don't think, right? This is for another church down the road. But, you know, anytime that you get in a situation, look at an Old Testament story about how God delivers. Put it into your own life, start doing it, and watch God work the same way he did for them. He'll do it for you. You're no different. In fact, you're even better, really, because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So I learned this, how to draw on God's word, uh, when I was uh, diagnosed with lymphoma cancer. Uh, and, uh, you know, the doctor said, well, you know, what's that lump on your, on your neck? I go, I don't know, probably nothing. He said, well, let's take a little specimen out of it and see what it is. So they took it to a specialist, and they, he said, uh, came back and said, well, it's cancerous. I go... I can't be. <laughs> I, I'm a man of God. What are, you, what are you talking about? This is not supposed to happen to me. And so he says, well, uh, go to the specialist. So I went to the specialist. And uh, so while I'm in the, the doctor's office, I said, I asked the receptionist, goes, do you, they had a little bookshelf there. I go, do you have any Bibles here? No, we had to remove all the Bibles because this is a religion-free zone. <laughs> You've heard of gun-free. This is religion-free. You know, no, no denomination. So I go, okay, well, I'll see what I got. And so I looked through the bookcase, and I saw this book from England called The Common, Common uh, Prayer Guide. I don't know if you ever heard of this. And uh, Common Book of Prayer. And they used to you know, preach this or speak to this in England. And so in that, they had prayers, but they also had psalms. And they call it the Psalter. The Psalter wrote this. Okay, that's good. We'll start. I'm start at the beginning. Psalms one, Psalms one, Psalms two, Psalms three, and finally Psalms four. Bam! It hit me. Let's see what it says. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in the past in my distresses. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. I go. That's me. I feel, God, you know, hear my prayer. I'm here in the doctor's office. I'm going down. Help, help, help. Hear me. Are you hip to, can you hear me? You ever feel that way? Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. What you do when you're in that situation, your heart is open and you just ask God to pour in his word and his life on the inside of you. And I receive what David was saying and I said, I'm in that same situation, Lord. You're the God of my righteousness. I don't deserve to be uh, free or, or healed, but you are my righteousness. I'm in right standing because of you. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. So in verse 3, he says, but know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. That's me. That's me. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, I'm in the Bible. <laughs> I'm the godly guy. Okay? The Lord will hear when I call to him. So I'm in the doctor's office, and I'm saying, I'm praying. I'm calling him. Can you hear me? Yeah. He said, yeah, I hear you. 
that, I didn't get healed then, but it started my healing, my believing to know that God first healed me, then he's going to heal me, but I had to do more to get to that point. And so I was able to say, I will both lay down in peace and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So they call my name. I'm in the doctor's office. They call my name. And the doctor says, well, we're going to set up a series of tests for you. We're going to put some uh, MRI and a CAT scan and all these things, you know, to find out where the cancer is and all that stuff, because it seems like it's all in your, in your body and everything. And I go, hmm. So I go to re- register at the, at the desk with the nurse. And I said, I'll tell you something. You're not going to see me anymore. This is the last time you're going to see me because my God is going to heal me. That was by faith because nothing looked like I was going to get healed. So then I went home and I started praying to God and believing that God was able to heal me from his word. The Bible says that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. I was saying it, and, and Maggie can test to it. I kept putting my hand on my, on my lump, and I said, listen, Lord, if you can tell us to speak to the mountain, surely this little hill right here, this little bump, got to go. So I started commanding the white blood cells to dissipate. I commanded my, my um, bone marrow to stop overproducing the white blood cells in the name of Jesus. I kept saying it. I kept saying it. I kept saying it over and over again. I went to the MRI test, and I'm going there. I go, anytime, Lord, anytime you want to heal me, I'm ready. Okay? I went to the CAT scan, and I took all that liquid. I said, Lord, I'm ready. Anytime, please. Anytime. Do you hear my prayer? Do you hear my In the name of Jesus, I command this thing to go down. And Maggie can attest to it because we used to carpool, and I'd have my hand on there, and she got bothered after a while. She said, aren't you healed yet? Come on, what's going on here? <laughs> I said, give me, some, give me a little time here. Give me a, little, give me a moment here. So then finally, Patricia tells me, she says, well, why don't you go to, to uh, Apostle Al Fornis's church? They have healing services once a month, and perhaps the Lord would heal you. I go, ain't no perhaps. I got to go and I got to get healed in Jesus' name. So I'm sitting in the, in the service and uh, he you know, called a lot of people up and then he was going to say, well, let's take a break and I'll come back and we'll do some more healings. I'm going, it's getting kind of late, you know, and Lord, I don't want to wait. Can you just call me up now? Do you hear me when I call, Lord? Do you hear my prayer? So all of a sudden, Apostle Al goes, there's somebody has a, like a lump on their throat. And, and, and uh, the Lord wants to heal him. Hey, 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 hey that's me. Hey, hey, wait, excuse me, pardon me. <laughs> Sorry, I got to get through here. Gotta... All right. He laid hands on me. I fell down. I felt the lump. It was like three quarters gone. I go, ooh, God's moving. <laughs> I continued to keep confessing. It took me a couple months, a couple weeks. And finally, it just went gone. And I said, the Lord heard my prayer, and he will deliver me. So in Psalms 4, see, that's how you learn about how God works. you got a problem. You go find the, the, um, the promise. You apply it in your life, and you see him give you the answer. And then you, okay, so I got this scripture for, for forever, right? And let's see, here's a guy. He's calling out. You ever feel that way? Can you hear me, Lord? Are you up there, Lord? Where are you, Lord? And... Next scripture. We know in the New Testament, I like this scripture. Now, this is the confidence. You've got to have confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, say anything, according to his will, he what? Hears us. That's what, 
That's what uh, David was saying. Do you hear me, O Lord? And the Bible says, John says, if he hears you, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask to him. Now, sometimes it's not just right away. Sometimes you wait and you build your faith up just like I did. It's a progressive thing. You start, you start applying yourself to the word of God. You start putting it in your heart and you start watching it manifest in your life. So that's why I'm excited when Apostle Al comes. So those of you who've been believing God for healing in your bodies, maybe a long time, you know, get your faith built up, start making your confessions, watch the Lord work, and bam, it can happen to you, right? What is that song? I don't want to sing that song. Fairy tales can't come true. It can happen to you. <laughs> no, no, no. This is not fairy tale. This is the real deal. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we got uh, Old Testament stories. Put your name in there. If you've got a situation like one of the Old Testament people, put your name in there. See God work. Uh, if you've got a situation where your heart has to cry out to the Lord, look at the Psalms. How about Proverbs? You ever uh, have problems with, your, with what you say, things that you say, your, your speech? You ever get in trouble for talking? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can think of countless times that we say things that we don't really want to be held accountable for. So here's how we do this. In Proverbs 15, 15 and 16 really talks about how we're supposed to speak. The Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so many times when somebody speaks harshly to us, how do we react? <laughs> you want to play that game? I'll step it up a little bit, okay? I'm going to raise my voice and bring some things that you haven't even thought of. And I've been holding back, but now you're going to get it. A harsh word does what? Stirs up anger. We had a lady at our, our, our job, a new supervisor. She's just taking over. She hasn't learned this, uh, this trait yet. So she makes a simple announcement, just a simple announcement to tell us, okay, guys, you don't have to keep asking us which batch to uh, take, you know, we have it on the board, what, what date we're on. So just look at the board and pick up the date, you know, that you have there. But the way she said it, everybody got upset. She said, we're in um, labor management partnership here, and we need to get together, and you need to take ownership of what you're supposed to do, and we don't need to be done. Everybody's like, what? <laughs> you're not saying it right. <laughs> And everybody started getting upset. And then finally, another supervisor had to step in and smooth it out, give a soft answer, and turned away all of our wrath. You know, they, 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 you, in, in public service, you learn certain phrases that you say to calm people down. I know how you feel. I understand your concern. How can I help you? Those kind of calms you down. Now, let's look at a slide here. Now, here's a guy... Can you detect different spirits uh, on these two guys? One guy is flailing words. The other guy is just calm, peaceful. Can you be that guy on the right? I know you can be the guy on the left. <laughs> but you have to not react to the way they are. You can't pick up the same spirit they have. You know, in my former uh, position, I was assistant pastor, and uh, there was people that would come in and want to talk to the pastor, and they have complaints. 
you know, some situations they want to get solved and settled. And they'd be out in the, the lobby, and I'd see them, and they'd be all upset, you know. I can't have a seat. No, I don't want to sit down. <laughs> Ooh, the pastor going to get it. <laughs> and so I'd just be sitting there across, and they'd go in, and they're talking for a little while. All of a sudden, I hear laughter and, you know, joyous, you know, talking and everything. And the guy comes out, and they're laughing, and they're patting each other on the back. Okay, well, we'll see you at church on Sunday. I go, what happened? He said, well, you know, where, where, there, where there is no wood, the fire goes out. If you want to just fuel the fire, you can make it worse, and you'll just, you know, lose them. So a soft answer, let's go back to the... A soft answer turns away wrath. Very important if you want to have wisdom. The Bible says no man can control the tongue, but the Lord can. Amen? Amen? The Bible says in James 3, the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. You want to be wisdom? You want to move up in the ranks of God? Know how to control your tongue. Know how to speak good things. And here's, I like this scripture. It says, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, or we just let things fly out. Just, I'd speak my mind. Give them a piece of my mind, you know. I just, tell it like it is. <laughs> I just got to be real. Real carnal. <laughs> but God wants us to study. The heart of the righteous studies. How can I say this in the right way? It takes a little extra time. You know, our parents used to say, count to 10. Well, that was half of it, but the other part is, God, what do you want me to say? How can I say this in a right way that it'll be easy to be received? And look at verse 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Have you ever said something that was just right on, and people said, that was so right of you to say it that way? We want to be used of God that way. Let's skip, go one and skip one. Okay, here's another Proverbs in 16. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Let's look at the, let's look at the picture of that. Hmm. This heart of the wise, what does it say? Teaches his mouth. I mean, your mouth is not saved. <laughs> you got to talk to it and teach it, okay? The heart of the wise. Are you wise? Of course I'm wise. Well, how come you leave these dead bodies strewed around from the things that you say to them? How come you don't have any friends? How come people don't want to be with you? So study how to answer. Okay, back to the scripture. And it adds learning to his lips. When somebody says something nice to you or corrects you, encourages you, you know, you, you receive it. And so you add learning to your lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Do you have sweet words? Is it like honeycomb? Do people just eat it freely and say, oh, so wonderful, so wonderful. So that's the wisdom on how we speak. Now let's go to the last two categories. The Gospels is how to be like Jesus. And, uh, you know, Jesus was, uh, or Jesus' teachings, you know, Jesus was a love preacher. Did you know that? He preached love. Someone said, Pastor, why do you keep preaching love all the time? Well, that's what Jesus did. And uh, they said, well, I think we got it. No, I don't think you have. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to preach this until you get it. So one of the reasons why they wanted to kill Jesus, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because he went against and contrary to the Old Testament. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. What? What kind of teaching is that? 
they are scratching their head. Love your enemies. How, what is, good is that? Love your enemies? That doesn't even make sense. They scratched their head then, and they're scratching their head now. Because don't, we don't believe that. We think, oh, that's just a nice little fairy tale, a nice little saying. But when it happens to us, when we got enemies, I'm not going to love them. They don't deserve it. Bless those who curse you. Bless those that curse you? I got a lady at work that speaks evil of me. She tells on me to the supervisor. You know, Chuck is talking all the time. <laughs> about sports. Wow. About politics. Yeah, all day long. <laughs> and I, I told my, my friend... When I was in grade school, I got in trouble for talking. Here I am, 64 years old, and I'm getting in trouble for talking. I mean, has, has nothing changed? And she, she emails, I'm not the only one, she emails her supervisor and says, so-and-so, you know, is helping so-and-so do this, and blah, they're just going on and on. Finally, the, the supervisor says, I don't even want to open up your emails anymore. Just be where you're at. Just be happy. But... When I go on vacation, she wants to souvenir from wherever I go. <laughs> what up with that? <laughs> so my friend who they told on, she said, she said, you know, she was mad, you know, like I said, well, I was mad for a couple of days, but I said, I oh, forget it, you know, it's not gonna, it's not worth it. But I buy her, I buy her the souvenirs. Why? I'm just, trying, I'm just doing what the Bible says. Because someday she may need me for prayer, and she does come to me for prayer and things like that, and for advice. So I want to bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. You got people hating you? You got hate, you got hate over there? Yeah. So, uh, so, so here's what you do here. Do good. Not hate back. Do good to those that hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. You got people spitefully using you, always calling you, want to take them someplace. Then talk bad about you. Yeah, they were late. <laughs> they were you know, I asked them to pick me up, and she's 10 minutes late. That you may be what? The sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So let's go to the next slide, and I'll show you. See, so you just break it down. If you got someone, you got an enemy, you love them. Got somebody that's cursing you, you bless them. Got somebody hating you, 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 can, you can do this at home. Just write down you know, your list of people. You, you, might, you might run out of room. <laughs> pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So if they're doing that, you pray for them, okay? Well, you say, how in the world can we do that? Well, let's look at one more thing here. It says... Uh, because we want to be the sons of our Father, right? For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? It's too easy to love people that are loving, right? Yeah. I mean, if we go through all the earth just trying to find people that love us, we're going to miss a whole bunch of people that God wants us to touch. The Bible says the goodness of God leads a man to repentance. So your goodness, your love is going to bring them into the family of God. Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Well, you're no different than the world. Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, your father, or you shall be perfect or mature, just as your father in heaven is perfect. Let's look at this slide, and we see this guy. 
these girls, oh, they're just tearing him up, aren't they? Just talking bad about him. Now, how's he going to react? That's the question. How are you going to react when people do that? It's easy to read it in the Bible. Oh, yeah, I'll love my enemies from afar, <laughs> way out there where they can't touch me. And so here he is. He's in the work setting. And, you know, they have a spirit. This girl right here, she got a spirit on her, doesn't she? She just wants to see him in trouble, just wants to bring out his bad points. But we have to be like God, like our Father in heaven. So last scripture. How do you do this? How do you be more like Jesus? Let's see the next scripture. Of course, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6, and 7 and 8, as we'll see in the next slide. But this is how you do it. You meditate on this. And, you know, like my friend next to me, she comes to me, she says, don't you feel like there's a different mood on our floor right now? I go, yeah, of course, we're in prison. <laughs> I mean, you're on the phone. Is that a personal call? <laughs> Are you on your break? I mean, it's, it's tough now, you know. And uh, so <laughs> this girl goes, yeah, I got caught three times this week for talking to somebody. And they say, Are you on your break? And, 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 and I go, I live that. I live that way. <laughs> I don't let it bother me. She says, well, how do you do that? I go, you, you insulate yourself with the love of God, how God looks at people. So love endures long and is patient and kind. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. How in the world do you do that? Pay no attention to a suffered wrong. You have, to be, you have to have something on the inside of you to overcome what's coming at you. You need to have more, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. So I'm not going to let what other people's problems affect me. I'm going to still keep my love walk if nobody else walks in love. I'm going to walk in love because I have a God that I have to answer. And then the next scripture says, oh, here... Here's where you need a little patience. You ever been there on that line? And it's especially bad if the woman, you know, can't find her, her wallet or can't find her credit card or wants to write a check and what's the date today? <laughs> or she can't find, you know, her exact change. I know it's here somewhere. So this guy on the end, he's got to have what? Patience. I've learned to have patience on, on the lines. You know, it's taken a while, but I've learned to actually go a little bit earlier to make allowance for these people that are going to be holding you up. Because if you're in a hurry and, and you're here, you're in trouble. You are really in trouble. <laughs> and so let's see the next scripture. So love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Well, I just can't bear up under this situation. It's just too much. But love can. God's love can. He's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Boy, that person, I don't, can't see anything right about them. Got to be something. You, I believe that God's going to work in their, in their lives. I just have hope. I just believe. His hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. I just can't do it. I'm too weak. I'll strengthen you, he said, with my love, because love never fails. Last scripture. So... What happens when we do all this, uh, uh, next scripture, what happens when we do all these uh, love verses? Well, we have to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him, who's that? Jesus. 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. What power is that? The power of love. If you're in love and you're in God, God says, I'll overcome for you. I'll, do, I'll fight your battles for you. Amen? Are you encouraged, church? Amen. You can read the Bible in these five categories, these five sections, looking to uh, the old um, uh, people or patriarchs in the Bible, find out how they believe God, the heart of God, which was what David has, the wisdom of God, which was Solomon wrote about, the Gospels that talk about what Jesus was teaching, and then the epistles, how to be like Jesus. Don't we want to be like Jesus? Isn't that our goal? To press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, to be conformed into his image. If you were to rate yourself, where would you be on a scale of one to 10, being like Jesus? Or better yet, let somebody else rate you. And if you're married, let your spouse rate you. <laughs> two. <laughs> what do you mean two? <laughs> My wife and I, we used to rate each other on that. First Corinthians 13, scripture, love, endures long, patient, and kind. So I'd say, okay, rate me on that. Then she'd go like four. i go, four? Come on. She goes, well, what about the time you did this and that and this? Well, okay, well, yeah, all right. I can do better. So be honest and rate yourself. See where you are in the Lord, and then see how, that's, how he's reflected in your life. And I think you'll change, and you'll see God's glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together to hear your word, how to read your word, that it may encourage us, strengthen us, and guide us in the way you want us to go, that it will build up faith in us to believe that you hear us, you answer our prayer, and that you're with us always, even until the end of time. So for this, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.